Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Good Old Days. We tend to view the past using rose-colored glasses, but should we? This show delves into the dark recesses of human history to see if the good old days were truly the good old days. This is Kinsey, and I'm Fenfen old. And this is Ellie, and I'm Alestra old. Ah, yes, Alestra. A way to take one of the unhealthiest foods and make it healthy. I mean, it made you run to the bathroom, so I guess it made you work out? Fair. <laughs> no calories were being <laughs> processed, so I guess it worked. <laughs> Now, for those who don't know, fenfen was a combination of two drugs, fenfluramine and fentermine. They were prescribed for weight loss in my decade, but they were also linked to some serious heart issues and were eventually withdrawn from the market. I mean, death does make you lose weight. <laughs> Guaranteed. <laughs> Guaranteed or your money back. <laughs> but you must be alive to request it. I think that's yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we say this every time, and we really do mean it. We can't grow our podcast without your support. So if you enjoy this, go on your favorite platform and give us a five-star review. It doesn't really matter what you say, because your ratings can help us get discovered by other listeners, so we can keep bringing you these morbid and absurd moments in history. Also, please email us and let us know your thoughts, or just to say hi. If you know an event we need to cover, shoot us a message. We still have a couple more stickers. We even have some brand new glow-in-the-dark ones. So if you want a free sticker, please go on our website and sign up. Seriously, they're free. Totally free. We don't need your card information. We just want to send you these stickers so you can post them and tag us using hashtag GodPodStickerSquad. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can search for O the G-O-D on all major platforms, on all social media platforms, or you can just go on our website and click the link and save yourself the searching and scrolling. You know what, Ellie? Unlike other fake news, these uh, stickers are truly, truly free. And They're not real. fake news. They're not fake news. <laughs> There's a lot of that going around these days. <laughs> I, you know, I'm a big sports fan, and I always find it funny when people think that, you know, people are out to get their particular sports teams. It doesn't matter who it is. It's, they're always at the end of the conspiracy. Oh, always. Everyone's the victim. Yeah. Is it really a conspiracy if everybody is the victim? Hmm. hmm. Maybe a bunch of different little conspiracies. Yeah. Or it's I, only a conspiracy when it involves me. Of course, of course. Yes, Everything's naturally. about you. Everything's yes. about you. <laughs> <laughs> right, you know what? Let's just get into our topic and let me tell you about our Latin word of the day. Fictus nuntium. And, and no, that, that's not a wizard spell, but it does mean fake news in Latin. All right, Ellie, put on your tinfoil hat, open your third eye, navigate to 4chan, and let me set the scene. Usually I tell you what's going on in the world around our story, but this is harder since propaganda, misinformation, disinformation, and conspiracy theories are not something that happened at a specific point in history. So for once, I'll deviate from our normal format. I hope you can forgive me. Now, 
let's doubt everything and believe anything because facts are apparently optional. Always optional. Just like shirts. (laughs) (laughs) And shoes. (laughs) What about pants? Uh, Pants are mandatory in this household. Yeah. Yeah. For everyone but me. Because <laughs> you're always the victim. <laughs> I'm the pants king. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know if you're into cooking, but I'm going to give you the recipe to cook up the perfect conspiracy. Hmm. I want you to grab one cup of charismatic snake oil salesman, two tablespoons of gullible spectator, a pinch of paranoia, and a dash of government cover up. Then, if we're out of government cover up, cover up is a homemade cover up fine to use. No, no, it's got to be government. Oh, damn it! Sorry, <laughs> I have to go back to the store. It could be big pharma cover up though. That's okay. Oh, okay. I have plenty of that. <laughs> <laughs> then you have to add in a handful of red strings to connect the dots that only you can see. Place the first ingredient in a non-stick tinfoil hat. Then. Gradually mix in the gullibles. Allow this to simmer until you have a frothy state of confusion. Add the remaining ingredients and serve with a side of truth serum. Mmm, I love the smell of conspiracy in the morning. It's my favorite scent, along with (laughs) freshly mowed grass. (laughs) They make a great combination, actually. The saltiness of the conspiracy really brings out the grass. (laughs) What about rain? I love the smell of rain. Ooh, that would be a good combo, too, I think. I think that would work. Well, let's start with our first ingredient and talk about the history of the term snake oil salesman. After all, you can't have a conspiracy without someone charismatic to push it. Now, I want you to imagine a sleazy salesman, you know, the kind that can sell snow to a polar bear. This man or woman has a silver tongue and a suitcase full of elixirs that can cure anything. Now, this man isn't just skilled in selling you concoctions or tonics. He also excels at selling ideas. This slippery Sam is charismatic and persuasive, and some people will just naturally gravitate to his personality and compelling narrative. He will get people to believe in something, even when it lacks evidence or logic. It's because it's the most compelling narrative in the entire nation. (laughs) (laughs) That's all you really need for a conspiracy (laughs) to just grow and balloon out of control someone to push this compelling narrative. So I want to start by telling you about the history of snake oil salesmen, and then we're going to talk about a ridiculous, albeit lesser-known, conspiracy. And then I'll end by telling you about one of the greatest shams, I I mean shamans, of our lifetime. Now, snake oil salesmen refer to people from the olden days who try to sell you random concoctions that contain certain cures or remedies. Wait, you mean essential oils won't fix my cancer? No, no, they will not. I'm sorry. (sighs) I'm out a hundred (laughs) bucks. Now, supposedly, the reason it's called snake oil is because this quack cure was made from Chinese snakes. R.I.P. (laughs) R.I.P. Poor snakes. Oh, it's going to get even worse. I'm sorry. Oh, no. (laughs) These cure-all elixirs, or tonics, salves, or whatever you want to call it, contained all sorts of dubious health products like alcohol, cocaine, and opium. I bet they felt great. But they weren't really healthy. (laughs) (laughs) Guarantee you'll be skinny on cocaine, though. (laughs) Cocaine and opium? These people were happy as fuck. (laughs) 
<laughs> beside SSRIs. <laughs> Just a little bit of cocaine, a dash of uh, opium, and alcohol to knock it down. (laughs) (laughs) I do feel the need to mention that there are medicinal benefits in snake oil. Traditional Chinese medicine used Chinese water snake oil, which was rich in omega-3 fatty acids, to reduce inflammation. But capitalists will capitalize, and many began hawking snake oil as a cure for chronic pain, headaches, or, quote, female troubles. Mm. Men. <laughs> how, do you, how do you know? <laughs> I don't know. I keep mine in a jar. <laughs> I should listen to the last episode to get that one. <laughs> and you feed it oats and corn. <laughs> yep. <laughs> if you know, you know. <laughs> and if you don't, go listen to the last episode. But... Besides the fact that rubbing oil on your joints will do absolutely nothing for female troubles, there was a teeny, tiny, minuscule, very minor issue. The Chinese water snake was not readily available in the U.S. because, you know, the snake lives in China and this is the 1800s. So good old American ingenuity led certain people to substitute this omega-3 oil with rattlesnake oil. Ooh, maybe not the same. Definitely not the same. (laughs) Maybe different. (laughs) (laughs) Just a bit. Just a little. (laughs) Clark Stanley, a.k.a. the Rattlesnake King, didn't let something like a useless product get in his way. What a name. The Rattlesnake King? I don't know if he gave it to himself or if it was given to him. That's pretty metal. I I don't have a nickname that cool. (laughs) Well, he was a cowboy medical doctor. He was even cooler. (laughs) He also claimed to be a veterinarian. So this cowboy medical doctor veterinarian extraordinaire, Clark Stanley, attended the 1893 World Expo in Chicago. He publicly slaughtered a rattlesnake. And in front of the eyes of the sheeple, I, I mean people, he boiled it and skimmed the oil that formed on top of the water. He then applied this oil to a horse's hooves. This incredible animal doctrine cured this horse from, quote, lameness. For those who don't know, a, quote, lame horse is just a horse with abnormal gait. Not a horse with braces who plays D&D? No, no, not at all. He's not that yeah, kind of lame. Yeah, so cool. <laughs> <laughs> you say cool, I say lame, but we're both two different people. <laughs> potato, potato. No D20 for you. <laughs> no D20 for me. <laughs> Back to the uh, the, uh, World Expo of 1893. Did anybody actually see this horse, quote, lame to begin with? No, they they just believed it. They saw that this is a fantastic cure and they bought it. Now, I know you're thinking, what does this cure on humans? uh, Rheumatism, neuralgia, sciatica, lame back, lumbago, contracted cords, sprain, swelling, frostbite, splains, bruises, sore throat, bites of animals, insects... And reptiles. <laughs> wow. You need nothing else. <laughs> and how do I know that that's what he claimed to cure? There's a poster that has survived from that era. That's and, cool. And I literally just read it verbatim. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like the uh, advertisement from modern day anything. <laughs> the yeah, it really, honestly, it does. <laughs> May cause death, diarrhea, depression. <laughs> Hopefully not in that order. <laughs> did, I, did I tell you about the other one I heard? Oh, what was it? May cause radical impulsions or something something 
something just completely unhinged. I was like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> I'm taking antibiotics right now. And one of the side effects was that I read about was rectal itching. <laughs> That's a very specific. That is super specific. You know, if you have that, there's no like, is it rectal itching? It either is or it isn't. <laughs> Thankfully, the only side <laughs> The only side effect I've had has been the the nausea, but other than that, oh, that's nope. way less. That's way less fun than rectal itching. <laughs> you had to get the lame side effects. <laughs> right, but but so this poster <laughs> also cautioned that this product is for external use only, but it's good for man and beast. And of course, Clark Stanley wrote an autobiography. In it, he explains how to brand cattle how to get started in the cattle business, how to get 160 acres of land from the government, and what cowboys wear in that specific order, too. Okay, okay, I got this. Um, Canva, um, investment from your parents, um, be white, and probably (laughs) boxer briefs? Uh, Bandanas. Bandanas, oh, fuck. Yeah, you should have read the I got the other ones right, though, right? Kind of, sort of, yeah. Okay. I mean, the book's only 76 pages if you want to read it. Mm. Or 96. It ended I'll in a six. I don't know how to read. Mm. <laughs> I don't know if they teach women how to read nowadays, though. No, no, they're <laughs> taking that away from us, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, in addition to all of these fancy things, he did tell a story about how, as a child, he lived with the Moki Indians. We now know them as the Hopi Indians. They taught him their language, their dance, and their medicines. But he's so smart, you guys. He improved their generations-old medicine and patented it under Clark Stanley snake oil liniment. Good for him. <laughs> he cured his friends of rheumatism. Here's my favorite quote from his autobiography about how he describes the snakes. Snakes with fangs and snakes without fangs. Snakes poisonous and snakes harmless. Snakes longs and snakes short. Wriggling, glossy reptiles, numerous and creepy enough to drive a teetotaler into the gym jams and afford a glimpse of the bottomless pit to the drunkard. I love that Dr. Seuss book. (laughs) It was my favorite, right next to Hop on Pop. (laughs) Driving a teetotaler into the gym jams is my favorite line. (laughs) <laughs> I, I thought so, too. I don't know what gym jams are, but I'm sure they're alcoholic. It bad. I think bad. <laughs> I wonder if his snake oil liniment cured people of alcoholism or drove them to alcoholism. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe it depended on where you were. If you weren't, then you got it. And if you were got it, then you weren't. Yeah. All, right. All right. That makes sense. We'll go with that. Okay. Sure. Well, he ended his absolutely wonderful book with a warning to the public to be careful of scam artists. You can't trust these guys. (laughs) They're liars. (laughs) Oh, the irony. (laughs) I I know you're wondering, how much is this uh, amazing drug that did not cure sciatica at all? 50 cents, which is $16 in today's money. That's not horrific. I guess like it, it, it could have been a little more. He could have upped that scammy price. I mean, those are those are those are pennies in the world of scams. <laughs> well, long story short, Clark was found to be a charlatan when the government tested his concoction and found no snake oil. He was fined twenty dollars in nineteen seventeen, which is about a little under five hundred dollars in today's money. 
Wait, what was it if it wasn't snake oil? Uh, alcohol, cocaine, and opium. I, I don't know. They didn't specify. Oh, okay. Okay. I gotcha. So better than snake oil. Those are, those are expensive things, I imagine. <laughs> Maybe not I, at the time. <laughs> I'm, I'm just guessing, but you know, that they didn't really elaborate to his actual ingredients. <laughs> but you know what? You did hear me right. He sold his snakeless snake oil for almost 25 years and got a $500 fine. The problem here, though, is more than just Stanley's cure. It's people's propensity to believe things and just not question them. I mean, why would something cure both sciatica and mouth sores? I saw it on Instagram. <laughs> Instagram doesn't lie. I don't know they if medieval... <laughs> <laughs> they never lie. <laughs> I don't think Clark had medieval Twitter back then, though. It's a little mm, couple years after. Yeah. That's a good point. So for 25 years, people's gullibility allowed them to believe whatever claim put forth by Clark. So now I'm going to shift our focus from the world of supposed miracle cures and dive into the realm of truly bizarre beliefs, because you can't have a conspiracy without a gullible audience. While the term snake oil salesman has its origin in the United States, countless instances of peculiar and outlandish beliefs can be found throughout the rest of the world. We can joke about people believing that aliens built the pyramids, that Shakespeare didn't write his plays, or that rubbing snake oil will alleviate female pains, sciatica, and sore throats all at once. But sometimes blind and absurd beliefs can lead to death. So I'm going to tell you about a conspiracy known as blood libel. You ever heard of that one? Ooh, blood libel. They're my favorite metal band. I don't think I've heard them. I'll have to check them out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go way back in time to Norwich, England in 1144. A young Christian lad was found dead. With absolutely no evidence whatsoever, a priest accused local Jews of the murder. Anyone Naturally. in particular? Anyone in particular? Nah, all of them. To fan the flames further. The Jew. <laughs> The Jews with an S. (laughs) (laughs) To fan the flames further, a monk provided, quote, proof that the Jews did it. The monk, Thomas from Norwich, alleged that Theobald, a Jew who converted to Christianity, told him that European Jews sacrifice a child at Passover every year. So ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) Did I mention that there was zero evidence that a murder even took place? (laughs) It's been a murder, you see? (laughs) Well, one source claims that the child just had an epileptic fit and his parents didn't know what to do, so they buried him. (gasps) Wait. (laughs) Did it, was, was he dead? Or did they just bury him? Because they, (laughs) what happened in between? (laughs) Did he die of the epileptic fit or did they just bury him twitching? (laughs) (laughs) Believe it or not, things are not very well documented from 1144. (laughs) Come on, look up the 1144 Wikipedia. It's got to be on there. (laughs) But the rumors of ritual sacrifice persisted, and the fake news started making the rounds. In Gloucester, 1168. In Winchester, 1192. And just many other towns in Britain. But I'm going to fast forward to 1235 to Fulda, Prussia, or modern-day Germany. Five children were found murdered. 
and the extremely competent, note the sarcasm, police equivalent captured 34 Jews and tortured them until they confessed. Oh, my God. The poor men revealed that they needed blood for a ritual. This news made it to the emperor. Oh, they revealed it, did they? They did. They did. I mean, torture doesn't I mean, no people. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it was a very valid confession. <laughs> well, this emperor decided that he's going to invite many scholars and Christian converts, and he posed the question to them. Do Jews require Christian blood for sacrifice? Clearly, this emperor had nothing better to do with his emperor time. I mean, technically, don't Christians require Christian blood for... I mean, the Jesus, you know, that I find some plot holes in this. Sorry, continue. <laughs> Please set logic aside. We cannot continue if you don't put logic aside. <laughs> My one brain cell is so confused. Maybe it's just not your turn with that brain cell today. <laughs> it's not. It's not. All right. Well, the scholars replied a resounding no. And some even added that Judaism specifically states that no one should defile themselves with blood. But who cares about logic? It's way less fun than conspiracy reality. Let's fast forward to Forsheim 1267, 30 years after the scholars came together and answered the question and said, no, Jews do not sacrifice Christian children for Passover. This time that that child allegedly began bleeding whenever Jews came near her corpse. Her face became flushed and her arms raised. Someone, again, without any evidence, came forth and testified that a wicked woman sold this child to the Jews. Again, no evidence whatsoever. You don't have a problem with the fact that the the blood was used for a sacrifice, but yet the child bled when a Jew came here? I'm, my, my real confusion here actually is that her arms were moving, which makes me wonder if she was actually dead. <laughs> you think... <laughs> the child doth move too much to be a corpse. <laughs> Corpses don't do that very often. Or have their face flushed. Sometimes, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe she had rosacea. I do, and that's why my face is always red. Mm. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> well, we talked about this happened in Britain and Germany, but it also happened in France, Hungary, Poland, and just too many places to name. I did find a very well-documented example from northern Italy. In 1475, two-and-a-half-year-old boy named Simon disappeared from his home, and his parents put together a search party to look for him. They found nothing, so they went to the authorities. Rumors swirled that the Jews did it. The frantic parents asked for another search of the area, including Jewish homes. Now, previously, a Jewish man named Samuel alerted the authorities and said, hey, there's a body near the sewers near my house. But nobody listened to him. So back to the search. Lo and behold, during this extremely intrusive search, the body of the child was located, shockingly, near the sewer of Samuel's home. And How did that get there? <laughs> <laughs> when the body was found, it magically began bleeding when Samuel came near it, which is clearly a sign of guilt. I don't know if you mm-hmm. knew this. Naturally. Yep. Naturally. So unfortunately, Samuel and five members of his community were arrested, tortured, and executed. But now this confession extracted even more absurd details. The blood was was specifically used to bake the Passover matzah. You know, I feel like I pick on Britain too much. 
people were ignorant in other parts of the world too. So I found an instance of this so-called blood libel in Syria in 1840, hundreds of years apart and different continent, but yet this conspiracy of Jews requiring Christian blood just continued to flourish. Never mind that Judaism frowns upon the usage of blood, and never mind that the Torah did not mention this at all. But who needs logic when you have hate? Hate is more powerful than everything. Just ask the Sith. <laughs> Who's the Sith? It's a Star Wars reference. Oh, you okay. won't get it. It's fine. I'm not cool enough Listeners for Star Wars. Get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're a lame horse. <laughs> all right, well... Father Tommaso was a friar of the Capuchin order living in Damascus in 1840. Suddenly, he disappeared. Now, placards that he left announcing that he was going to come by and sell some things were found at a Jewish barbershop. And this disappearance was given to Count de Raté Montant to investigate. The Count, unfortunately, had some very strong anti-Jewish sentiments. And before any actual investigation took place, the Count just arrested the barber and had him tortured to elicit a confession. This confession accused other Jews in the area. Several people, Jews and Muslims, gave testimony that they saw Tommaso later in the day, after his trip to the barbershop. But the Count didn't care. He already had his man who confessed under torture. He, he used the blood for Passover bread. Unfortunately, the barber died during the torture, but not before naming six others, including an 80-year-old man who subsequently died during torture. See, I have to wonder if, I, I mean, we know people will confess to anything under torture, but I also have to wonder, considering this man died during torture, if he said a goddamn thing and they're just like, oh yeah, he uh, named his neighbors, he he just, he said all these things and he didn't say a, like a single one. I mean, what is he? He can't tell him that it was a lie. He's dead. <laughs> that and I wonder how much like the 80 year old actually said because you know he's 80 he probably had like a heart attack as soon as he <laughs> yeah I can't imagine he survived too much torture I, I would confess to anything under torture I'm like the- oh me immediately <laughs> just, just the, the threat alone I will confess to anything <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah you don't have to even have to do anything just tell me you're gonna do it I'll tell you what you want to know or what you don't, I'll, I'll, I will make things up on the spot. I'm a, I'm a very creative person. I will find a way to make you happy. <laughs> don't give me paper cuts, please. <laughs> no, that's the worst. <laughs> well, seven people in total were arrested. And that number, according to this amazing count, was special because it had, quote, religious virtue. And that in itself is proof of ritual murder. So just to recap, he arrested, he arrested seven people and then said, wow, seven, that's exactly the number of you people you need to conduct a ritual murder. What a convenient coincidence. It's almost as if he's making it up as he goes. <laughs> did, did, did I we know mention? he's not. We know he's not. It's, it's all very true. Of course, naturally. Yep. I mean, he is a count. So I'm, Counts I'm don't guessing lie. He, he probably I can know. count pretty high. I don't know. Yeah, probably. They do on Sesame Street, at least. <laughs> <laughs> now, did I mention that a body has not even been found yet? <laughs> you don't need a body. There can still be a crime. <laughs> oh. Now, other sources had 13 people arrested, and other sources said every Jewish individual in Damascus was arrested. But I'm going to stick to the seven just because of the uh, absurdity behind his, his reasoning. 
Now, this story gets even crazier. The Count, with the help of the Muslim mayor, who was financed by French money, decided that to find evidence, they need to destroy all Jewish homes. They found bones, single old shoe, and a piece of cloth. Anatomists came forward and said that these are animal bones, but the Count knows so much more than the experts. Duh, he's a Count. (laughs) (laughs) He can count to one, a single old shoe. (laughs) He can can count to at least seven, actually. (laughs) That's the real reason he only arrested seven. He couldn't count any higher. He, he didn't watch. He tapped out at seven. <laughs> All right. Well, then he take, took off his hat and put on his judge hat and seemingly transitioned and, trans, and sentenced the Jews to death. You know, the ones who didn't die under torture. Mm. Now, The viceroy of the Syrian state purposely delayed the execution while the case garnered uh, significant international tension and diplomatic pressures. Ultimately, the accused Jews were released due to a lack of evidence supporting the allegations, you know, the ones who didn't die. But by then, the damage has been done. And this was dubbed the Damascus Affair. There's an entire book about it. It's a very fascinating read, but I summarize the main parts. If anybody's interested, the book is called The Damascus Affair, Ritual Murder, Politics, and the Jews in 1840 by Jonathan Frankel, just if you need more details. The Count wasn't the only bad guy, but he was just so cartoonishly evil that I decided to focus on him for the summary, the shortened version of the story. But do know he wasn't alone in his xenophobia. It's also kind of making me think a little bit of the witch hunts, because while the term witch may not be used here, it's still kind of arguing, killing people under the quote-unquote accusation of quote-unquote ritual magic, be it, yeah, religious purpose or not. Yeah. Interesting. They have different definitions of evidence back then. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. (laughs) Because of Monk Thomas's claim in the 1100s that an ex-Jew told him about requiring Christian blood for sacrifice, there are over 120 documented trials accusing Jews of murder between 1100 and 1900. Yes, these lies persisted for over 800 years. Insane. So we've talked about a few of our ingredients, from the charismatic source of the conspiracy to the gullible audience who just want to believe. And the blood libel shows that a conspiracy can stand the test of time. Now, let's talk about our last two ingredients, paranoia and and a cover-up. And for this one, let's just replace word of mouth and rumor mill with the internet. And I want to tell you about an incredibly absurd conspiracy from the dawn of the 21st century, you know, the early 2000s. I'm literally going to talk about time, or, or more accurately, how to portray the passage of time. I'm sure you've heard of BCE and CE, or BC and AD. First, just a short explanation of the acronyms. BC and AD stand for Before Christ and Anno Domini, Latin for In the Year of Our Lord. Clearly, there's a Christian theme here. I also like how it's Anno Domini, Latin, or In the Year of Our Lord, and Before Christ. (laughs) (laughs) They kind of gave up halfway through, I could tell. (laughs) Maybe they didn't have Latin by then. I don't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> you weren't? Nope. <laughs> All right. So this is based on the Gregorian calendar, but not everybody in the world is Christian. We have atheists, Hindus, Muslim, Jews, and other religions. 
So there's been a push to use CE, Common Era, and BCE, Before Common Era. In addition to the religious connotation with BC and AD, there, there are some discrepancies to, as to when Christ was actually born. So just one example, in the New Testament, King uh, Herod is trying to kill Jesus. Uh, so in a dream, Joseph was told to go to Egypt until Herod dies. But historical consensus has Herod dying around 4 BC, which is four years before the official start of the Gregorian calendar, which counts years based on the passage of time after Christ's birth. So I'm sure you can see the, the issue here. He also wasn't born in December. Sorry to break everyone's hearts, but <laughs> we just wanted to steal a pagan holiday and slap something on top of that. <laughs> you mean Santa wasn't around back then? No, no, no. He came he came along. He was no, sorry. I mean, he he was around before then. He's oh, always okay. Santa lives outside of time. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. We won't even touch how creepy it is to have children sit in a stranger's lap. We're just going to gloss over that. Yes. Okay. That's totally fine. It's different. He's not okay. a stranger, he's Santa. <laughs> All right. Well, there are many other examples, but you know what? This isn't a theological debate. Even the terms BC and BCE are not actually a modern convention. The earliest use of BC and BCE is from 1615 in the writing of the famous German astronomer Johannes Kepler, who himself was a devout Christian. But again, I'm not here to debate semantics, so I'm just going to sum it up and say using BC, BCE over BCAD is not just due to religious neutrality and the unknowns regarding Christ's birth, but also because it's commonly used in academic and scholarly context. But certain far-right individuals in Britain would just not have it. In they are the most depressed group. Oh, yes, they are. That out there. Yeah. Yeah. In 2002, the British Qualifications and Curriculum Authority made a slight departure from the long-standing tradition by introducing BC-BCE system, and it was met with considerable resistance from certain online posters. The complaint was there was no reason to change how it's been done to please 3 to 4% of the people. British authority responded that it was being changed to match the common convention rather than to appease any certain group. But people weren't buying that explanation. The loud minority asserted that, and, and this is a quote, sociological man-made disease originating in Harvard University, USA, end quote. While another blamed the quote, white liberals. Other user comments on that article claimed that this move is eradicating Christians and making them the minority. Another person said that the Brits will wake up one day to find themselves in a quote, semi-literate desert and cannot describe themselves as British if they were to allow this change. These people are so, <laughs> so brave. Speaking up about their oppression. But you know what? There were also other non-British people that agreed with them. So here's my favorite commenter, okay? He actually says he was American. I don't know if he truly was or was not. He just said it. He's no one American. lies on the internet. Kinsey, get this right. No, of course not. It's all true. <laughs> he said that this change is a sign that the end of times is coming. Coming, he's spelled with two M's, by the way. Oh, God, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. I want to get off the ride. <laughs> I'm guessing he didn't go to Harvard University, USA, with that spelling. No, in Harvard, they actually teach you to spell poorly to get your point across. <laughs> There's a class on it, actually. 
All the geniuses online take it. (laughs) Now, he continued to say that if you don't believe in the Antichrist, you are doomed. Then, being the sweetheart that he is, he closed his post with, God bless you. God's like, I don't know that guy. (laughs) (laughs) One last example that I'm going to give here is from the Southern Baptist Church in the U.S., just so I'm not always picking on British people. (laughs) (laughs) They put out a resolution during their annual meeting in 2000. Now, this is a legal decree. So it starts with the legalese in all caps of whereas. But they spell it with two S's. Whereas. No, they didn't go to Harvard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. You're right. My bad. My bad. (laughs) I'm mixing up my my groups of geniuses. You are. You are. (laughs) So the beginning is just an explanation that historically the calendar marks the centrality of Jesus. And then I'm going to start quoting here. Whereas this practice is the result of the secularization, anti-supernaturalism, religious pluralism, and political correctness pervasive in our society. Those are all great things. (laughs) (laughs) Stop, stop. I'm already sold. (laughs) But they spelled them all correctly. I was impressed. (laughs) Wow. Wow. They have spell check. (laughs) (laughs) Then it goes on to say that BCAD retention is just a reminder that all history is ultimately Christ's history. And then it ends with the words, therefore, be it resolved, all caps. Jesus is also like, yeah, I don't know them. They're not with me. (laughs) (laughs) The SBC will, quote, retain the traditional method of dating and avoid this revisionism. Dude, somebody just needs to tell the SBC that history existed before Christ. I'm not. No, no. The world started the year <laughs> Jesus was born. Nothing before. What about all the history of like. Nothing before. Caesar? No, okay. Nothing before. No, no, no. You're not listening. <laughs> what? You don't understand. You weren't there. How do you know? <laughs> what about. I Adam? was. A book told me. <laughs> what about Adam and Eve? Oh, did I just find a loophole in your... No, no, that's different. That's different. (laughs) All right. Now, you know, I'm not denying Christ's existence, and I'm not denying all that it was accomplished in his time or after. But come on, you guys, history didn't start 2,000 years ago. Now, they put out some other resolutions during this meeting, including condemning trafficking of women and children for sexual purposes. The threat... I can agree that's bad. Yeah. (laughs) The threat of New Age globalism and the oppression of the Boy Scouts of America. You know, they, they were oppressed because the they were The second all- most oppressed group next to British, <laughs> white British Christians. Well, the difference is the Boy Scouts of America, they were told they can't discriminate against gay people anymore. So therefore, they are the oppressed ones. Oh, yes. We know the gays are the least oppressed of all the groups. <laughs> totally. <laughs> you know, I would totally consider human trafficking and calendar dating of equal importance. Not. <laughs> they absolutely are. <laughs> With one leads to the degradation of the other. But hey, SBC, y'all succeeded and got to use BCAD in your own internal documents. So congrats. So brave. So brave. So brave. <laughs> All right, slight sidebar. What's up with the threat of New Age globalism? I know you're wondering because I looked it up. The SBC says that the 
New Age globalism movement advocates a one-world government, one-world religion, and one-world economy. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) (laughs) And that the success of a one-world government would mean the destruction of sovereignty of nations. And then the SBC urged Congress not to let American troops fall under foreign military command. I don't know why that's even... I think, but even something as minor as change in BC to AD or BCAD to BC BCE has people seeing signs of the end of times and the eradication of Christianity. You know, I would say that it's very hard to believe that people used to fall for such absolutely ridiculous, stupid things, but I've been on Reddit recently. <laughs> We're not doing any better. No, no, (laughs) not at all. And unfortunately, the internet has made it worse by providing the snake oil salesman just a new venue to peddle their bullshit to an even larger and more gullible audience. I want to tell you about the Glutinati. Have you heard of them? The Glutinati? Yes. So for those who don't know, gluten is a protein found in wheat. But there is a shadowy organization that has learned to harness the true power of gluten and exert control over the thoughts and actions of the unsuspecting gluten-eating public to increase their weight, their wheat sales. That's why you and I are such independent things. Right? (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? For those listeners who don't believe me, just look at all the delicious, scrumptious products that contain wheat, pasta, pizza, bread, pancakes, cookies, cakes. Oh, my. Even foods that you wouldn't think contain gluten do contain gluten. Beer, bouillon cubes, meatballs, beef jerky, sliced deli meats, and seasoned potato chips, just to name a few. Tylenol gel pills. (laughs) Do they really? Yeah. I used to take them when I got migraines from eating gluten and it didn't get any better and then I learned why. (laughs) (laughs) Only the gels, though. Only the gels. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think I've had the gels, but just in case, I need to double check. Steer clear. (laughs) Maybe maybe it's changed, but a few years ago it had gluten in it. Well, the Glutinati's origins date back centuries, and they've spent generations perfecting their gluten manipulation techniques. They're set to discover to have discovered a way to embed subliminal messages within gluten-based foods that, when ingested, makes people want to eat more gluten. And the cycle continues. Nefarious. And you know who's out to save humanity from the Glutinati besides you and I? Who? Celiacs. They are the true superheroes who have developed a keen sense of gluten detection methods that make their bodies reject gluten. These brave souls, they'll make sure that glutenatis fail in their plot to take over the world. God bless them. What proof do I have that the glutenatis are real? Just look at the penny. It has wheat on it. No, no. Evidence. Not not those new pennies in your pocket. Don't look at those. But look at the old pennies. Just, just just, trust me if you don't have any. That's all the proof you need. They put it on there. And who is this they? I don't know. I couldn't think of anything. I'm just not as creative as David Icke, who believes in the reptilian overlords. I did hear that they also put gluten in the COVID vaccine. Oh, <gasps> lies. <laughs> <laughs> but in all seriousness, if you think the glutenati conspiracy is absurd, some people believe that the earth is flat. The government is poisoning us through chemtrails. Some celebrities and politicians are part of a reptilian race to control humanity. Or part of the- That also ties the Jews in. (laughs) (laughs) Everything. Naturally, they're tied into all these conspiracies. (laughs) Maybe the gluten too, because we don't use blood and bread anymore. Mm, Yes, yes. 
And if they weren't part of the uh, reptilian race, maybe they're part of the Illuminati, the New World Order, and just so many completely bonker theories out there. You mispronounced serious and legitimate. Oh, I I did. It's not pronounced bonkers. (laughs) My bad, my bad. It's okay, I got your back. (laughs) But, But you know what, though? Just in case you were wondering, the Glutinati are not real. They are a product of my imagination. But, Ellie, if we ever start selling shirts, they're going to say, unleash the bread revolution, make the Glutinati crumble. I'm here for it. I'll wear one. (laughs) (laughs) We'll stand outside with signs outside the grocery store. (laughs) That would actually be a great marketing technique. Right? (laughs) (laughs) With so many modern-day absurdities out there, I do want to talk to you about Shaman Durek. He makes my Glutinati claim seem tame. Durek is a sixth-generation shaman. And how do I know this? I went to his website. So Mr. Shaman here, whose real name is Derek Verrett, runs a shaman school. He holds classes and workshops. No, I, I didn't mumble. I did say workshops. Oh, I hate this guy. <laughs> his, classes, his classes include discovering your inner healer, the healing temple, and spirit hacks for heart knowing. I don't know what the heart is knowing here, but heart knowing. Oh, it's knowing not to take fen fen. <laughs> or, or Olestra. That's <laughs> now, he will also teach you how to optimize your spirit with a spirit optimizer for only $222. $222. That's, I wonder if that has a numerical meaning. What, is, what does the number two mean? 222 means something. Maybe he just typed 666 and wasn't really looking where his finger was Divided on the keyboard. Divided by three. It's 30, 60% off. Oh, no. Two, two, two means in any setting that the time has come for you to be more self-reflective and focused on the duality of situations. That's intentional. He knows. He's like, all oh, these nerds are going to fucking love this. All right. And if you're wondering what a spirit optimizer is, it is a, quote, advanced spiritual technology for spirit hacking and optimization. We're just going to define a word by using the same word again. Now, there's no official net worth of Mr. Shaman, but various sources have his net worth anywhere from one and a half to $2 million. And because this is 2023, popularity is measured in followers, and he has 281,000 of them on Instagram alone. Wow. <laughs> This man is essentially every conspiracy theory you can think of wrapped in one. He claims that you only get cancer if you want to. In fact, uh, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The five-year-old with leukemia was just dreaming of it. <laughs> what a fucking asshole. <laughs> in his book, he says that whenever he visits patients with cancer, he asks them why they wanted this cancer. I'm going to fly to wherever this guy is and punch him in the face. He didn't say if anyone did punch him in the face. With a hammer. (laughs) I've seen his picture. He does have a very punchable face. Very punchable. I'm not surprised. He also says that when people have casual sex, they are attracting sexual succubi or subterranean beings. I didn't notice in the script that you put, you didn't elaborate if anyone punched him in the face. So that makes it even... (laughs) It was just my gut reaction. So that's fantastic. I I thought you were reading ahead. (laughs) (laughs) So 
back to these uh, sexual <laughs> succubi. <laughs> he said, quote, these beings are spirits that attach themselves to a person's energy field with their sucker-like limbs. <laughs> Pretty sure my ex was a succubi. <laughs> Uh, Not a lot of sucking, though. <laughs> did you feed him corn and oats, though? No, he got no corn and oats. That's why he's an ex. All right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Not worth the corn and oats in the pickle jar. <laughs> if you know, you know. All right. He then elaborates how to drive out these beings. You just put a magnet on your abdomen. He said mm. that he was employed as a shaman in an Israeli hospital. The hospital yeah. was contacted by the, the the article I got this from. And the hospital said that not only has he never worked there, but shaman isn't even an approved HR title. Okay. Oh, what? They don't hire shamans <laughs> in hospitals? Shocking. Shocking revelation. I may have made up that second part, but they did say that they've never hired him nor any other shaman, which just led me to believe that shaman is not an approved HR title. I would say probably not. Yeah. He also claims to have been an Egyptian pharaoh in a previous life. Oh, oh, and he also said he's not an ordinary human, but a mixed species of reptile and Andromeda. Quote, Mm. the reptilians are here to help humanity find true liberation. By telling children with cancer they asked for it. Right. (laughs) This guy's a fucking saint. And in case you didn't know, the reptilians have a counterpart called the Greys. Not from Grey's Anatomy, just the Greys. And these Greys are the ones who invented 5G. His website claims that he is a close spiritual advisor to Gwyneth Paltrow and Nina Dobrev. That tracks. <laughs> that, that tracks. I'm sure he's the one who gives them their cooch eggs, probably. <laughs> I don't know who Nina Dobrev is, but I'm familiar with Paltrow. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't know who Nina Dobrev is. I think she was in one of those vampire shows. Oh, I do know her. Oh, she's one of those? That's unfortunate. All right. So his biggest supporter is not Gwyneth Paltrow or Nina Dobrev, shockingly. But it's actually the Norwegian princess Marta Louise. She's just as batshit crazy as he is. She didn't start a shaman school, but she did start an an angel school to, quote, help people get in touch with their angels. While I'm sure that neither you nor I qualify for this school, I am sad to say that this school closed in 2018 after 11 years of angel service. (laughs) 11 years. Yeah, because it was operating at a loss. No. (laughs) Angel school wasn't popular in Norway? No, no. They They should have have moved to Mississippi. (laughs) (laughs) Bless your heart. (laughs) They can join the Southern Baptist Church. (laughs) They did show a revenue of almost $300,000 in one year, but apparently that's less than the operating cost. I I don't know what the operating cost could be. So so their revenue was zero. (laughs) (laughs) I guess Princess never learned how to run a business from King Daddy. My favorite rapper. (laughs) Martha also gave up all her royal duties, her titles, and her income when she started her angel school. She now I can respect that at least. Well, she now has to pay taxes like every other plebe since she's not a royal anymore. Ouch. As it should be. 
Regardless, the sheep and the charlatan, I, I, I mean, the princess and the shaman are set to marry next year in August 2024. The happy couple embarked on a lecture tour in Norway titled The Princess and the Shaman. You know, I wonder if other reptiles and or pharaohs will be in attendance at their wedding. I wonder if their children are going to, are they going to be half reptile, half angel? Half Andromedon? I don't know. From the Andromedon galaxy? And then another half pharaoh, right? Oh, wow. Yeah, this is going to be a... A lot of halves. A hell of a kid. Yeah, it's going to be just a pizza pie of things, I guess. Do you think you, do you think you and I will get an invite? Mm-hmm. I hope so. I want to go. I don't know. I did just threaten him bodily harm. <laughs> At least I want to only punch him. I mean... You- not, I mean <laughs> I may be all scratched off the guest list. You know who else is scratched off the guest list? Hmm. His mother. Verushka publicly stated that the princess has been brainwashed by her son. Oh, shit. Mama's <laughs> not holding back punches. Good for her. Good for her. I, too, would call out my shitty son if he was like that. <laughs> Conspiracy theorists are the detectives no one hired. They're always searching for hidden truth that no one else can see. They'll tell you the moon landing was fake and Elvis is chilling with Bigfoot somewhere. They'll always tell you the truth is out there and you just need to open your eyes. The earth is flat and we're on a cosmic pancake. But mm. here's the kicker. The, <laughs> the internet... I'm sorry, I'm just thinking about breakfast food. <laughs> <laughs> the internet has given these folks just a platform to connect. They form their secret societies and they're convinced that they're on the verge of exposing the truth to them. You just got to open your eyes, man. <laughs> open your you eyes. got to open your eyes. Only your third eye, though. Not all of them. I don't mm. know if you knew that. I didn't. Shit. To them. Been the, doing it wrong. <laughs> the answers are always in the basement, hidden next to the tinfoil hats. They've always existed and always will continue to exist. What we need as humanity is critical thinking and common sense. But you know the saying, common sense isn't so common. Too long didn't listen. In summary, people have always believed in miracle cures that cure absolutely nothing. Some people even thought that Jews were using children's blood to make bread, which sadly led to the torture and death of many innocent people. Conspiracy theories may be captivating because they often rely on convoluted and wild theories to explain things. They suggest that big secrets are being kept from you, and these secrets are just too massive to stay hidden forever. But it's hard to believe these theories because they generally don't use evidence or trust experts. Instead, they prefer wild guesses, not trusting official information, and the idea that there's some cool secret knowledge out there that you are not a part of. Plus, they forget that real life can be messy, and people aren't as perfect and sneaky as these theories claim. Yeah, you know, they really, you don't have to look that far to find fucked up things going on. You don't have to make anything up. There's absolutely insane things going on in reality that you can have have a ball with. <laughs> all right, that's all we got for you today. Join us every other week for another story from the annals of history. If you've enjoyed this, please go on and rate us in your favorite podcast channel. We can't do this without your support, and we want to hear from you. So please send us an email and let us know your thoughts. 
Find us online at O oh, the G O D P O D. That's O oh, the God Pod. On we are on Instagram, we are on Facebook, we are on Threads, we are on YouTube, and we have a website. Be sure to check us out. You know what, Ellie? The gluten mm. is out there. Do 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 do.